Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Well, church, good morning and welcome. There is no better way to start off a new year than to be in the house of God as a church family and giving him all of the praise and all of the worship, amen? So let's invite him into this place. God, we love you. We are thankful for what you did last year, for the ways that you came through, for the way that you were present for us. And God, we step into this new year and we are expectant. God, as we pursue you this morning, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would pursue us right back that we would feel your presence so thick and so tangible that it would be undeniable as we pour out all of our love, all of the praise, all of the worship to the Almighty Father who is so deserving of every last bit of who and what we are. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Let's go. 
church, I just want you to claim this truth. If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splinter, how much more will he clothe you? If he watches every sparrow, how much more does he love you? So let's just put our hands just in a receiving position this morning. And his love is just washing through this place in Jesus' name. To a level like we've never felt before, God, we need to feel your presence. How much is your beauty around us and how much more do you love us? Lord, I, I dedicate my family to you. I dedicate my job to you, Lord. I dedicate my, my business to you. I dedicate my finances to you, God. I dedicate my health to you. 
your own way, just in your prayer time, just dedicate the next year to him. Ask him for help in making him first in your life. God, we don't want to do a year without you. We don't want to do a day without you. And so we give you this year. And we pray that it would be the most blessed of any year of our life. But not just praying for blessings, but Lord, that we would become closer to you this year than ever before. We would walk closer with you than ever before. And maybe we made need to make some changes. Maybe we need to do some things different, but the truth is, Lord, we just need you. We just need you. So help us to do whatever it takes to be closer to you 2023 than in any year of our life. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you that you give us the air that we breathe. We thank you so much that we live where we live. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Thank you for giving us an income. Thank you for our homes. Thank you for the cars that we drive. It all comes from you. We dedicate it back to you, in fact, Lord. We just give it all to you. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. You are an awesome God and worthy of all praise. And we pray these things and we pray this dedication back to you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. First praise offering of 2023. Well, God bless you guys. You can make your way back to your seats. As you do, show yourself friendly in God's house this morning. Thank you so much for being a part of our first service of 2023. Now, whether you are here with us live or you are live with us at home, thank you so much for choosing Fellowship Church. We know that you can watch a lot of services and we thank you so much for being a part of ours. You were a part of our church family, never forget that. And I hope that you dedicate 2023 to the Lord as well. Well, if you are visiting, if you're visiting from home or if you're visiting here in the auditorium, our worship center, love to have a record of you being here. Super, super easy to register here at Fellowship Church. All you gotta do is take your smartphone out, text the word fellowship to 94,000 and we'll get you a link to uh, some more information about the church. We'd love to invite you to one of our guest services, which will be coming here, guest service uh, a time where you get an opportunity to meet some of our staff, as well as get a tour of the facility. And if you're watching from home, we'd love to register for you that so you can come out and get to know some people here personally at Fellowship Church. Well, we're super excited for 2023. It's cool to be able to have one unified service here uh, on Sunday morning. And, and hopefully you didn't stay up too late last night, so you're good and awake uh, for the service we have. Uh, some of you, I know, you just kind of roll over at midnight and give your wife a kiss and happy new year and, and go on. Some of you will stay up and watch the ball drop. You do all that. But thank you for being here at 11 o'clock uh, on uh, this Sunday morning. Well, this, this month, we're super, super excited for a series we're going to be bringing to you. It's called Reframe, reframing things in our life. And we always want to start January, you know, doing that, reframing the things, making sure that our priorities are in check. Next week, next week I'm going to be talking about how to reframe your thinking. Because our thinking so many times gets us into trouble. We got reframe your contentment. We have some great other uh, um, topics that we're going to be dealing with in January. And then in February, we're starting a new series called Unsung. Unsung. The unsung.
unsung heroes of the Bible. And our goal here at Fellowship is that when we do a, a service together, that you leave this place with a new perspective on your situation. Also that you know the word of God better. I mean, I want you to know, we want you to know the, the stories of the Bible. We want you to understand scripture and why it was written and how we can apply that today. So every week we do our best to try to make it to where it's super applicable, but also Bible-based and that we're really, really digging into the word of God. And we have all kinds of really, really cool stuff happening here at Fellowship. So uh, really, really excited and hope that you are back next week uh, to start with us in our new series, The Reframe. We're going to continue worshiping now with the giving of tithes and offerings. And I hope you've come prepared to give back to the Lord today. But it's New Year's, right? Happy New Year's, Fellowship Church. It's awesome, right? We love New Year's. We love New Year's Day. We love the exciting, uh, the wind in the air, the change. And so if you're wanting 2023 to look different, if you, if you want this year to be a year where you go to the next level, where, where you experience those blessings that God has for us that we always talk about, I want to encourage you um, to, to seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God, live righteously, and all these things will be added to you. And so when we partner with God and we seek his kingdom first, he meets us where we're at. That's a promise right there, but it's conditional. So God says, seek first my kingdom, and then I will add all these things to you. And so a really practical way for us to do that, a really easy way for us to start fresh today is giving, is tithing, is putting God first in our life, seeking first the kingdom of God in our finances. Everybody knows that money's stressful. Everybody knows that we, we stress out about money and we wonder, are we going to make ends meet all that stuff? Well, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to, to meet God where he's at. Seek his kingdom first in your finances and watch what he will do. Well, you can give that way by looking at all of our giving options here on the side screen, on the screen in front of me. But as you, as you prepare yourself to give, I want to pray a blessing over the offering this morning. Dear Lord, we love you so much. Jesus, we just, we're so grateful that you died for us so that we can seek you first, so that we can put you first in every area of our lives. God, I pray that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the strength to step out in faith, to test you in this area of our life. You say, this is the one area, put me to the test, see what I will do. And God, we are expectant and just hopeful of what you're gonna do in 2023. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, there's always tons of stuff happening here at Fellowship Church. Check out what's happening in this video. It is the first service of 2023, and I know that God has so much in store for you. So take a listen to all that we have kicking off this season. We know that this time of year is a time where we are setting new goals, striving to get our lives in order, and finances is a huge part of that. Budgets and spending feels overwhelming, especially recovering after Christmas and trying to keep up with what culture tells us we need. But what does God say? How can we live in the margin of our income? How can we live peacefully and content with what we have while also planning for the future? Financial Peace University is a course that will be kicking off on January 25th. This training is invaluable. The cost for the course is $80 and is one of the best ways to kick off 2023 with financial peace and freedom. If you live like no one else now, later you can live and give like no one else. It is time for your healing. Divorce care is a safe place where caring people come alongside you as you find healing from separation or divorce. This is a 10-week video-based support group program. It's comforting to know that you're not alone and you're going to be okay. Stop by the Fellowship Bookstore to purchase a $16 workbook and be ready for class to start on January 11th.
Rooted is the perfect way to connect to God, the church, and your purpose. This is a 10-week Bible study that offers community, growth, and generosity. The cost is $25 and includes a workbook and pen. Coffee, pastries, and snacks will be provided for each session. It takes place on Sunday mornings starting January 22nd. It can be tough to live as a follower of Jesus in the modern world. Join Pastor Will as he teaches on practical ways to walk out your faith in today's culture. During the seven-week course, each week will bring a different topic and life hack. Topics like apologetics, identity, how to hear God's voice, and boundaries are just a few lessons that will bring you closer to God and help you connect with other people. This class starts on January 25th at 7 p.m. in the Two Rivers Room located in the admin wing of Fellowship Church. Register on the Church Center app. One of my favorite things about the Fellowship Church community is how much opportunity for growth there is. There's real life, practical, biblically based teaching on Sundays and so many classes and studies throughout the week. There are people that care about you and we're growing closer to God together. So enjoy and receive the first message of 2023. forgot they were looking for me. You didn't notice that. Well, it is the first Sunday of 2023. And I know that most of the time when you do the first weekend of a new year at a church, they talk about resolutions, right? We always talk about the things that we want to start in the new year. We want to start eating better. We want to start working out. We want to, we want to start doing our life better as far as spiritually. We want to make sure we're, you know, having our devotional life or our coffee with God on a daily basis. We want to show up for work on time. You want to show up to, to speak. Yes, that's, that's always, an, it's always an important thing. And so there's certain things a lot of times that we want to do. But a lot of times when it comes to a resolution, it should be some of the things maybe that we should stop doing. So not so much starting something, but stopping some things in our life. Our key scripture this morning is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I love this scripture. This is the NLT. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off, or the NIV says, throw off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endures the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides, beside God's throne. Scripture says so much in just a couple of verses. Now, I've asked my teaching team to, to be a part or our teaching team to be a part of the service today. Uh, and uh, I, I also added my lovely wife, Rebecca, is here with us this morning. Yes. Rebecca served on our staff for about 12 years, um, and then she felt a call to go into teaching. And so uh, she wanted to make the big bucks. And so she uh, went, back to, <laughs> went back to school, got her, her teaching certificate and her master's in education. Now she is a dean of a high school here in, in the Valley. And so I, I wanted to uh, bring her on uh, up because she is a great teacher and I think she can provide some insight at some of the things that we're talking about this morning. Now, here's the truth. There are a lot of things that we should throw off. 
And of course the scripture says sin. Obviously we don't want to sin. There's certain sins we never want to sin. There's certain sins maybe that have become habitual. We need to stop doing those. But what about the other stuff? What about the stuff that isn't necessarily a sin, but can be detrimental? And those are the things that we're going to be talking about this morning. But before we jump into that, you can't read this scripture and skip over the very first part that talks about a crowd of witnesses that watch us. Have you ever thought about what that really is? I mean, sometimes that can kind of freak some people out, or maybe you just wonder, what, what did that really, what does that look like? And so uh, JL and I, uh, it was probably a few months ago, we were talking about this particular passage of scripture, and she shared with me something that happened in her life that gave me a whole new perspective on what this crowd of witnesses is and, and what they do. So recently I had a day in my life that was a very special day for me personally and it was amazing and perfect in every way except, to be honest, I felt the absence of my dad. So my dad is a huge part of my life. He was my biggest fan and cheerleader all growing up and he passed away five years ago this month. And so on that special day, I was just aware of his absence because I just knew that who my dad was as a person that he would have gotten in his car and drove from Wisconsin all the way to Colorado to just be here with me on that day. That's just the kind of dad that he was. And so when he wasn't here, it was just it, was, it felt obvious to me, and it kind of put a little bittersweet tone over the day. And people who knew me best, they said some really kind things. They said, like, your dad would be so proud of you today. And they said, I bet he was watching from heaven. And I said, thank you. And at the same time, I was like, what does that really what does that really mean? And, and how does that look? And so later that night, I was getting ready for bed and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. And I believe that I had a vision at that time of heaven. And what Jesus showed me was the place that he had prepared for my dad in heaven, his house. And um, my dad at that moment was hosting a party. And if you knew my dad on earth, what you would know is my dad was always hosting parties. And every time he did, there would always be food around it because my dad was an incredible cook. And so what I saw was my dad's house and he was hosting this party on the patio and it was packed and my dad was greeting people and all around was the buffet that he would have made on earth and apparently in heaven for his guests. And he had these little steak sandwiches that he'd always make with these certain homemade rolls that just, I was like, I've seen this before in my life. And then he had a charcuterie board. Now, my dad's been making charcuterie boards before they were called charcuterie boards and before they were all over Pinterest. For like 30 years, he made these, and now they're, they're famous. But all these elements that were present on an earthly party at my dad's house were present in this heavenly party. And I just, it was very familiar to me. And the party was happening. My dad was greeting people. But I couldn't really see who these people were other than my dad. And so I asked Jesus, I was like, who's here at this party? And he showed me three people. The first was, he showed me my dad's dad, which was my grandpa Elmer. And then he showed me my mom's mom. And then he showed me a face of a person that I didn't know, someone I didn't recognize at all. And so I said, who's, who's that guy? And the Holy Spirit said, his name is uh, John Wilkerson. And that didn't help me at all because to my knowledge, I've never met a person named John Wilkerson. And so I just was like, well, who's that? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, that is someone that is significant to Pastor Arnie. 
So Pastor Arnie was my pastor when I was a teenager growing up in Wisconsin. He was the pastor of my home church, and his ministry led me to come to know Christ as a teenager. Well, I just kind of filed that thought away in my head because then my dad in my vision, he kind of stood up and he greeted everyone and then he started hushing people and he sat down and a screen sort of came out on his patio and they were live streaming. And what they were live streaming on the screen was my special day. They were live streaming everything that was happening on earth. And I'm kind of using earthly terms to describe incredibly spiritual things, but they were live streaming what was happening on earth, and there was my day, and it was unfolding, and my dad was clapping, and all these people that were gathered at this watch party, if you will, were clapping and celebrating and passing him the Kleenex and clapping him on the back and, and just kind of celebrating at different points. They stood up, and, and they cheered, and they kind of just celebrated what was going on for my special day, and I was like, wow, this is this is really impressive, like really cool. And so then, you know, the day turned into night, I went to sleep, and the next morning I was like, did I make that up? Am I crazy? Like, did I just, you know, want my dad to be there? And so I thought, you know what I could do? I'm gonna email Pastor Arnie, and I'm gonna tell him everything I saw, and I'm just gonna ask him, what does the name John Wilkerson mean to you? And so I sent off the email with enough explanation to not sound too crazy, no matter which way it was going to go. And he emailed me back right away and he said, yes, John Wilkerson is the name of the man that led me to the Lord, he told me. He's like, so in a way, he's your spiritual grandfather. So he led me to the Lord, I led you to the Lord, so it would make perfect sense that he would be sitting there in the row of your grandparents, with your paternal grandparents, your maternal grandparents, and then your spiritual grandparents. And that just put a whole new spin for me on this text in Hebrews 12, 1, where the Bible just so clearly says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles or trips us up. The fact is, they're there. They're there watching us. And the they is believers that we've known and loved in this life that have gone on before us to be with the Lord. The they is believers that we never met, that maybe were our great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents somewhere down in our generational line. And the they in this text that they're referring to is the heroes of the faith, the men and women whose stories we've grown up studying, that we've learned. They are there at these watch parties. They're in the cloud of witnesses. They're celebrating us in our life of faith. So we grow up with their stories. We hear the story of David and Daniel and Esther and Elijah and Silas and Paul. And we hear these stories and they fuel our faith. But they're, they're using our stories too. They're hearing our stories. They're going to these, you know, watch parties, if you will. And they're seeing us run our race of faith. And they're standing up. And they're applauding and they're cheering. And they're, they're in our corner kind of egging us on so that we would grow in our faith as well. You know, have you ever thought about the fact on your big days that there is someone watching you? Have you ever thought about who might be at your watch party? I mean, that's incredible. And to think that, you know, they are going to continue to know what we're going through, what, what, what our life is like. So one day when we get to see them again, man, our relationship will be like it, like it never stopped. It'd be just, it's just seamless. So a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture of what's happening in heaven uh, on, kind of on our behalf, right? It's so beautiful to see uh, that and to, and to hear that. That just changed my thought about what that really, really looks like. Now, for the rest of the, set, the service, uh, we sat down as a team and we said, okay, 
what do we have in common as a culture, as a people, as Christians more, that are things that we need to throw off? What are some things right now that are happening in our people's lives, in all of our lives, that we just need to get rid of uh, for this new year? And so here's some of them. I think one of the biggest things that we need to throw off is failure. And specifically like failure from our past because failures in our past that are like unaddressed and unmet, they can honestly determine how our future can turn out in a lot of different ways. And so being able to take care of that is a thing and, and failure hurts, it can hurt. I remember mountain biking, my last mountain biking crash I had and it's a literal fall, like it's a fail, right? And I separated my sternum, like all the cartilage in my sternum, it was excruciating. It's yeah. tough. It can hurt a lot. Yeah, uh, Pastor Bill, Will actually was with me on a few of my stupid wrecks too. Yes. So you know the one you went over your bars on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. 200 yards away is where I crashed. Yes. <laughs> and the crazy thing is that I'm not. I'm losing my mind after my crash, and Will's just he's praying out loud for me immediately. <laughs> Thank God he was there because God took grace. God was listening to what he was saying and not what I was saying in that moment. <laughs> if, you know what if you know what I mean. <laughs> well. The roles switched. I was with Joe, and Joe was the one praying when okay. I was. <laughs> I would rather have you pray for me than Joe, just to be honest. <laughs> Joe, we love you wherever you are. I'd rather all of you stop doing ridiculous things on the bikes. It's painful to hear about. That's true. That's true. It is painful. Failure hurts, right? Yes. Coming back in. Failure, failure can hurt a lot. But there's three steps that we can throw off the failures of the past to be able to to become the people that God really called us to do. So three steps to throw off failure. The first one is to grieve the failure, to grieve it. And for those of you like manly men out there, if grieve is maybe a tough way to think about it, just like feel. Because the truth is you need to be able to feel to heal. Just like I needed to heal from my mountain bike injuries and everything like that, we need to be able to heal from the failures of our past as well. And too often, like if we fail, we immediately want to minimize it or we want to try and distract ourselves from it or hide it or, or justify it something because we failed. We don't want people to see that sort of thing. But if we don't allow our, ourselves to feel that failure and, and process that emotion, that emotion will stay inside you and eventually it will come out again. And so if you allow yourself and especially trust God with those feelings, you begin to make room for him to speak something new in your life. We did a like a church-wide study in the fall and it was called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And there was a life principle that was in that study and it goes like this. It says, to get past it, you need to go through it. And it's so true. When it comes to failures, if you are willing to go through that pain and feel it, not around it or try and go under it or anything like that, you're able to become a better version of yourself. Because there's a lot of emotions with failure. There's sadness, there's fear, there's anger, there's all these things. You feel rejection and shame. If you trust God with that, you make room for him to speak something new into your life. And it may take some time, but if you're willing to do that, that's the first step in being able to get rid of those past failures so they don't affect your future. The next step is to invite people in. Life was not meant to live alone. Like God created us for connection. And the truth is, like, as a parent of young kids, I feel like that's kind of the, the most common place where I feel like a failure at some level is, is my son does something and maybe I'm too harsh or I just blow past my daughter's emotions because I'm a guy. And it, it can just be tough. But the truth is, I have a, a group of friends around me. Sean's one of them in my life group that I'll share my failures with them instead of keeping them hidden. And I'm not met with judgment or condemnation because these are people that love Jesus and care about me as well. If you find those people, they'll shoulder these burdens with you. And the truth is when I share those things in, in my life group, I'm usually met with guys saying, 
man, I, I hear you. I've been there too. He, here's where I've succeeded or I'm struggling. Can you guys pray for me? And it's one of these things where now I'm getting specific prayer and words into a place and it's making me better. So now I'm setting myself up in a place where failure is actually a way to improve and not something that's gonna trip me up or, or anything like that. I can throw it off by inviting people in. And the last step is to accept God's mercy. If we look at scripture, you can find a couple of different people that are like, well, you can find a lot of different people who failed, but there's two that jumped to my mind when I was preparing for this and it's Judas and Peter, they both betrayed Jesus. One ended up taking his own life. The other ended up being a pillar of the, the early church. And when you look at Peter's life, he did all these steps. Right after he denied even knowing Jesus, it says he went away and he wept bitterly. Three days later on the crucifixion morning, he's found with his life group in a room weeping and mourning. He shared this burden with other people. And then I love what he wrote in his letter in 1 Peter 1.3 about accepting God's mercy. It says this, because of his great mercy, God has given us a new life by raising Jesus Christ from death. This fills us with a living hope. If you're in the midst of failure, don't you wanna live with a living hope? It's because of God's mercy that we're able to do that. When you accept God's mercy, it's so much more than just, just that. It's accepting his mercy, it's forgiveness, it's forgiving yourself. It's standing in a place where you're no longer, that failure is no longer gonna start dictating your future, but you are because you're better because of it. So failure, we wanna throw it off in the new year. We've gotta grieve it, invite people in and accept God's mercy. Next, we wanna throw off people pleasing. All of us wanna be liked. We want to fit in, to belong, to make people happy. And I believe there's nothing wrong with that because innately we need people. We, want, we need to be a part of being with people and, and, and getting along, being kind, feeling loved. But people-pleasing goes beyond that, and it can be quite unhealthy. A people-pleaser is a person who has a strong urge to please others even at their own expense. They may feel that their own wants and needs do not matter or alter their personality around others. A people pleaser might compromise his or her beliefs, morals, attitudes, actions, all in hopes of appeasing people and keeping the peace. As a literature teacher, I am so used to not only reading narratives, but analyzing. I break down a story. I try to figure out the context, appreciate the imagery, and try to insert myself into the mind of the protagonist. And this is my approach to the Bible as well. And my favorite story in the Bible is so rich and beautiful and has profoundly affected me and challenges me every time I read it. Within it, we find one of the Bible's chief people pleasers. Luke 7, 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owned money to a certain moneylender. One owned him, owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Therefore I tell you, 
Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Scholars believe this was Mary Magdalene. The town was Bethany, which we learned from other gospels. And her sinful life was that of a prostitute. I believe Mary's life up to the point she met Jesus was that of a people pleaser. I'm sure she was in the lifestyle to make ends meet, but she was also having to compromise her values and her morals in order to live amongst the people of Bethany. I'm sure she was a chameleon, which is something people pleasers do. She became whoever she needed to be in the moment. She would be one kind of person at work and then one who would try to blend in while in the marketplace. We can imagine she endured great condemnation. In these verse, verses, we hear the jeers from the men in the room. We hear the Pharisee question if Jesus is even a prophet, because shouldn't he know what she is? I'm sure she encountered this judgment everywhere she went. As I read these passages, I imagine this woman who is sneered at, snubbed, insulted, walking into a room full of men, but not just any men. These were Pharisees, the religious zealots in the land, probably the most critical of her occupation. But she didn't just enter the room. She made a beeline to Jesus, knelt down in worship to her precious Savior and poured incredibly expensive perfume on his feet, wiped his feet with her jar, with her hair and tears, and kissed them with reckless abandonment. She threw off people-pleasing and chose to please only her Savior. <laughs> we don't have to wonder why she did this. Jesus told us through the parable of the men who were forgiven debts, and he said of her, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Through her great love shown to Jesus, Mary had solved the problem of people-pleasing. All of these people she had tried to please her whole life were self-serving, trying to get something from her and didn't want the best for her. Yet she spent a lifetime pleading for their respect, their love, their acceptance. But here was one man, the one who wanted nothing from her but her love and worship and accepted her without asking for anything, as well as the one man who did want the best for her. Mary was no different from those of us that struggle with people-pleasing. The need comes from hurt and rejection, and there are people in our lives who will exploit the people-pleaser in us to get what they want. We have to come to terms with the fact that they do not know or want the best for us, but Jesus does. I can think of no better freedom in life than only being concerned with pleasing Jesus rather than people, which is why this woman's story is my favorite. I would like to think that if I was in her shoes, that I would do what she did. The next thing we need to throw off in order to run our race well in 2023 is apathy. Now, apathy is defined in the dictionary as a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern, but a working definition for our purposes today is to be stalled out or stuck. 
being apathetic in today's world looks like this. Romans 7.15 says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And we can all relate to Paul's sentiment here. I want to do the right thing. I want to change. I want to grow. I want to make a difference. I want to impact those around me, but I don't do it. Instead, I watch Netflix. I cruise Facebook. I go to the driving range. I avoid my responsibilities altogether. We know what we should do, what we have to do, what we need to do, what we want to do. I mean, we all want to change for the better, and, but we end up stuck in a rut, unable to make much progress, if any at all. And that's because apathy is the sneaky way of the enemy to not only keep us stalled out where we are, to, but to keep us stuck in our sin. James 4.17 says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Now, this feeling of apathy, of being defeated, of seeing change as too hard or not worth the effort, this lullaby of the enemy is, is rooted in a simple concept, which is comfort. Church, we are blessed and cursed with comfort. It's a, it's a blessing to lead a comfortable life. I have a favorite pair of shoes and they're my slippers. You know, I like being comfortable <laughs> just as much as the next person. But if we aren't careful, comfort can become a curse. And the more our lives become about pursuing comfort, the more they become about us. And the more our lives become inwardly focused, the more we start to resent ourselves, which presents this feeling of wanting to change those things we're not happy with, wanting to grow, wanting to change those things that we resent, but we get overwhelmed with this feeling of being unable to do anything about it, unable to fix anything. And that is just being stuck in apathy. And this is because apathy likes to mask itself as our preferences. We prefer to watch church from home because of course we do. We're in our pajamas, we have our coffee, your dog, you don't have to talk to anybody. We prefer to hit up a drive through on the way home instead of making a healthy meal at home because it's easier. We prefer that at the end of the day when we get home from work to just get on our phone and disengage and unplug from the people around us instead of being intentional because that takes effort, right? We prefer these things because they're easier, but that's just being stuck in apathy. And, and it's no secret that 2020 knocked us all for a loop, right? It's no secret. And although we've moved on in almost every single way, it feels like a lot of our attitudes, our mindsets, or our ways of thinking are still stuck or stalled out in that. We may have moved on from the stay-at-home stuff physically, but maybe not emotionally or mentally. Feeling stalled out and unable to get back to those healthy habits and headspaces that we used to live in. So what do we do? How do we break out of this cycle? How do we overcome apathy? Well, it's simple. We make a choice. Whether that's a choice to change, a choice to care, or a choice to stay the same, we will have to make a choice. And I believe that the old hymn said it best, I have decided to follow Jesus, the cross before me and the world behind me. We have to make a choice that if we're gonna step up to the next level in 2023, if we're gonna step into our calling and purpose that God has for us, we have to not only choose to follow Jesus, but we have to make a commitment to leave behind those preferences and the comforts of the world that would keep us stuck in apathy and sin. The truth is the cross was uncomfortable. And so our comfort shouldn't stand in the way of the cross. Amen. That's good. Jesus... Jesus does not want us to stay stuck in apathy and our comfort, the curse of comfort. Luke 9, 23 says, this is Jesus talking. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If we're gonna follow Jesus, we have to leave behind the comforts of the world. And so when the rubber meets the road, this looks like making a goal, making a plan, setting up accountability and just going for it. Just do it. Remember, we can't change everything all at once, but we can change one thing right now. So maybe you want to eat out less. You want to save some money. You want to be healthier. Well, we have to set a budget. 
We have to make a meal plan. We have to shop for the ingredients and we have to actually eat the ingredients that we buy. I know I'm guilty of throwing away the same bag of baby carrots every month. Um, <laughs> and then you just follow through, you do it. Maybe you wanna spend less time on your phone. You wanna be more engaged with your family, with your kids. Well, set up screen time limits on your phone. Set up those boundaries and then tell them to your family so they can help keep you accountable. Nothing will keep you more accountable than your eight-year-old reminding you of the screen time rules. And maybe, maybe you wanna be back at church. Maybe you're, you're missing the feeling of being here in the room with all of us. You're, you're recognizing that that's what's holding us back from the next level. Well, set yourself up for success. Make a plan, you know? Set out your outfit the night before. Be home and in bed. Wait, early. wait, wait, wait. Did you what? say set out, your out, you set out your outfit? Yeah. That is such wife conditioning. I set out my outfit last night <laughs> at 1130 at night. Well, I, I live in a house full of women. I only have the, daughters and a wife. Okay, so. that makes sense. I actually, though, after I ironed my clothes, I went over to my wife and I said, does this khaki make my backside look big? <laughs> conditioning. Condi yeah. Uh, we should condition, condition ourselves to get back into church. So pick out your outfit. <laughs> you can wear camel if you need to. Yeah, you know, make, make sure your camos match. That's a good outfit choice. You know? <laughs> Pick out your outfit. Be home and in bed early, right? Don't go out on Saturday night. If you really want to be here in the early in the morning, don't go out. Preset the coffee maker to go off at a, at a reasonable time. Text a friend, make a plan to sit with them. And then if you don't show up, you have to buy their lunch. If we remove all the friction points, if we set up all these things to keep us funneling towards the goal, we will throw off apathy. But the truth is, if we really wanna overcome apathy, if we wanna throw it off, it comes down to making a choice and following through. The fourth thing that we need to throw off is anxiety. And anxiety can look like worry. For some people, it's worrying, it's fretting, it's imagining their problem from every different angle, every way around, and then living emotionally through all those different potential solutions and just putting yourself through that emotional ringer of all the possibilities that you've made up in your imagination and worried about. For some people, it's worry. For other people, it's control. And they handle anxiety by controlling people around them. And that looks like creating systems and structures to get people to fit in the box and follow the pattern because somehow that structure minimizes your stress so it turns into manipulation of those people to fit that structure. I didn't think of myself as an anxious person, to be honest, until I learned that Control was an expression of anxiety. I always thought it was just worry. And I don't worry, but what I do is when I have a stressful week, I immediately set up a system and a structure to control the chaos and to funnel everyone and everything to a path that will somehow be less anxious for me. And that's really another way of dealing with anxiety. So neither control nor worry is a healthy or helpful way of dealing with anxiety. The Bible presents a completely different plan. In Philippians 4, it says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So when we feel anxious, we feel that anxiety kicking in, our first quick step is we pray about it. Praying about it is like worrying, except you include God in it and you talk to him about it and you actually take the step 
of asking him to help you, to intervene and to do something on your behalf. So maybe we're anxious about a work situation. We're anxious about how that's going to unfold on Monday morning on the workplace. We, instead of worrying, we talk to God about it. We say, God, I'm worried about work. Please help me. And then the second step is then we thank God for what he's already done to help us. We thank him. So God, help me with this workplace situation that I'm stressing out about. And thank you that I have a job to go to. God, help me with my kids. And thank you, Jesus, that public education starts back up in seven days. <laughs> right? You, <laughs> you ask him for help and then you specifically thank him for what he's already done to help you. It is literally impossible to be filled with gratitude and anxiety at the same time. Because when you're grateful and you're expressing thanks to God, your heart and your brain are activating a part of you that pushes away anxiety. We cannot breathe the air of anxiety and live in an atmosphere of peace. They're mutually exclusive. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 says this, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. At all times and in every way. That means there's not a situation or a circumstance where we cannot choose peace. Because of the next part of this verse says, the Lord be with you all. It's the Lord's presence in our life that gives us peace. It's his absence when we push him out of our situation, out of our relationships, out of our circumstances that we lose that peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And if we want to get rid of anxiety this year, we have to embrace the Prince of Peace. You know, and I think that he gives us this picture of scripture as far as throwing off something for a reason. He knows, first of all, we're super visual people. That's why he spoke in parables and those kind of things is so we could get a picture of our mind of what he was talking about. But when it comes to things in our life that we know we need to get rid of, it's okay on a daily basis to say, Lord, throw off of me that worry. Throw off of me control. And, and, and throw off of me my, my fear of the future. Whatever it is, throw that off of me in Jesus' name. And that's part of spiritual warfare. It's part of, on a, on a daily basis, fighting, fighting against the principalities and the things that are going to come against us, the demons that are going to try to hit us on a daily basis, those fiery arrows that the Bible describes. When we're throwing things off in Jesus' name, man, that's effective. And he wants us to live free. He wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to walk around light and, and, and not heavy. So maybe we didn't mention one of the four things that you need to throw off this morning. Those are super common, but maybe they don't exactly relate to you. I wonder what it is you would have to throw off for yourself this beginning of this, the, of this 220, 2023 season. So as we close, if you, just, if you just close your eyes and Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would just show us, show us what it is that is weighing us down. Show us what it is that is tripping us up. Show us what it is that we need to throw off. And yet maybe it is just it's worry or it's frustration or it's anger. Maybe we're just not dealing with things that we should deal with. Maybe it's hurt from the past that we need to throw off, finally forgive and, and, and get it out of our life. 
and, and not, let us, not let it trip us up anymore. Whatever that is that you would show us. And now I just, in your prayer time, right now with the Lord, I just want you to ask him to help you throw that off. Ask him to throw it off of you in Jesus' name. Maybe it was failure. Maybe it's people-pleasing. I mean, we, gosh, we struggle with that. Maybe it is apathy. Maybe we're just, we've been lulled to sleep. Maybe it's anxiety, but Lord, whatever it is, we know that you will heal us. You will deliver us. You always do, and you always stay faithful in doing it. And so, Lord, we give it to you now, and we ask that you would throw it off of us in Jesus' name. Help us to go into this year lighter than ever before. Help us to do warfare on a daily basis. Help us to plug into you, Lord, every morning or every evening, whenever we choose to do it. Help us to do 2023 different and with you. Be a lamp unto our feet like only you can. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. Don't miss it as we start Reframe. God bless. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.